Proverbs 31, verse 28, it says this. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Everyone say her children. Say arise up and say and call her blessed. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning on raised upright. Raised upright. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the power of your strength and the, the beauty of what you teach us in your word. I'm asking you to use it for your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Funny thing is, I never intended to be a preacher. <laughs> I, I'm not one of those stories where I began preaching in the shower when I was six and then started studying to be a preacher when I was 12 and knew the direction of my life. I was raised in Alaska, and the only thing we're interested in in Alaska is shooting something or catching something, okay? That's what we like to do. So for me, it was going to church every Sunday and learning about the Lord, but for some reason, I never processed the idea of being called by God. But I had callings in my family. It was passed down through a generational blessing. How many know what a generational blessing is? I remember preaching the dedication of baby Cindy, and I preached a sermon called A Generational Blessing, and I, I reminded everyone of the fact that in Scripture, when you live upright, when you live for God, it blesses generations ahead of you that you cannot possibly bless with finance or with the wisdoms that you have of life. It somehow blesses. God takes control of blessing your posterior, the, those that would come after you. And I, I want you to know that even though I didn't have any concept of ever preaching the word of God, excuse the personal moment, but there was something in my life and on my life that came from God. And whenever I began to seek God's plan for my life, and I began to open my heart to God, and I began to say, God, I wasn't raised good enough to be a preacher. I wasn't raised up proper enough. I didn't have all of the benefits and blessings that all of these others have that are pursuing ministry. And even though there was building blocks of my life that were missing, I want you to know that God supplies everything you need when you need it. Is that, are, we, are you here with me this morning? I just want to make sure there's a church in here. Are you, are you understanding that whenever we're missing something, that when we give our hearts and lives to God, he fills in the gaps? All right, amen, we're good there. So I began to seek out what it means to live for God, and I realized this morning that it's for mothers, and we're celebrating mothers, and I want you to know that when we're talking about mothers, mothers have a very special role in our lives. There's no one that can replace your mom, amen? I thought I'd get a good estrogen praise right there, amen? All the ladies, nobody can replace mom. So we know that there are some things that moms do in our life that forever change us and forever either build us up, but they also can tear us down. Some people have good experiences with their mother. Some people have poor experiences or example of the model of their mother. But the good thing is that whenever you come to the Lord and you forgive and you forgive everything in your life, including the bad examples in your life, you can begin to love people that don't deserve love. Amen? You can begin to reach out to your mother and to places and, and, and restore relationships in places where she wasn't maybe a good mom to you, but you can still love her and respect her and honor her. Honor is not the same as respect. Don't get me wrong. Honor is whenever you know that's your mother. She gave you life and you honor her for that. But respect is earned. Amen. You have to earn respect. And so I know that there are places in my own life where when I began to process my mother and how she respected, how I respect her and how I honor her, it's two different things for me because we had a rough life growing up. We had lots of mistakes. Some of them were my mother's. Some were the relationships that she, were, she was in. But regardless of all that happened in my past, I know that I can honor my mother because she did one thing right and she did the most important thing right. She taught me how to have a relationship with my Lord and Savior. Someone say, amen. 
The most important thing you can do, mom, is teach your kids how to love God. The most important thing you can do is to teach them how to entertain the presence of God, to teach them how to walk in his precepts and how to take the word of God and study it for themselves and break it down and apply it because I believe this word is still applicable to our lives is the church here today, amen. I believe that God wants to use everything that we have in our life to build us. I'm not, I don't have regrets over the difficulties of growing up. I know that I am who I am today, and I can minister to who I minister because of what I went through. But there are basic building blocks of every child's life that I want to talk about today for all of our moms, and I hope that you'll receive it from me even though that I am a dad, amen? Because it's biblical wisdom. And so what I understand in the scripture is, is that whenever a mother is 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 striving to raise her children and she's she's the Bible says blessed by her children that they rise up and call her blessed because of what she does in their life and how she instructs them that she is 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 a woman maybe of beauty and maybe not but still the case is in the scripture here that it says the favor uh, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman that feareth the Lord she shall be praised and so I want to praise my mother this morning because maybe she's listening to this podcast online today maybe this is now five o'clock and she's listening I want to say to my mother, I love you, mom. I appreciate you for all that you've done. I'm raised up and I call you blessed because you didn't have everything right, but you had a fear of the Lord in your life and you taught me how to walk with God. And I'm grateful for that aspect in my life. I'm grateful for that building block in my life. So I have some building blocks here. The cameras might have to zoom in so the people in the balcony can see it. Uh, just speaking in faith, that's all. But this this is my illustration today, and you can't read this, but the first thing that you have to have, that you have to build up in a child's life, mom, is you have to build up the proper foundation, amen? Foundation is what that says. Foundation is important. You have to teach them who God is, his identity, and your identity in him, Amen? You have to know how to communicate the word of God to him, that hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That they went through and they put that on their walls and on their doors and they made sure their children heard that there is not multiple gods, there's only one God. And you need to know who that one God is. And you need to understand the language of the Bible and that it uses titles for the different ways that God has a relationship with us. Not that he's multiple people, but that he is one true and living God. And we can walk through scripture all day long, but if you don't begin to teach your children that you can know it so well for yourself but if you don't teach your children that they can be confused and they can have a false foundation because you have to understand there are only certain things you can build a foundation on you can't choose certain things and say well I like that better I enjoy that better or that that seems like it would be more beautiful or, or, or have a have a better um, have a better look to it I think I'm going to set my foundation on that I don't know about you but I haven't seen lately any glass parking structures have you glass parking structures no one not lately why because parking structures have to be strong enough to handle a lot of weight they have to be built by foundational material. And so you can't build something in your life that's supposed to be a foundational concept that you're going to build everything else in your life off of or that your children are going to build all the rest of their life off of if you choose a topic or you choose an idea or you choose a philosophy that is not a foundational philosophy or it's not foundational material. I want to give you just some foundational material real quick. Is this okay so far? Some foundational material is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen? And they that walk with him must walk with him in spirit and truth. In other words, God is looking for people that walk with him in spirit spirit and in truth. Not just super spiritual people. Not just the people that think that they have to speak in tongues over their frosted flakes in the morning. Amen, somebody? But the people that understand truth, they're not flighty, they're not super spiritual, they don't have to pray to Jesus to figure out where to park in a parking lot, hello somebody, not the people that are super spiritual, you need balance in your life. So you have to train your children that balance is one of the most important things that you could ever learn as a child. You have to learn how to be balanced. The other day we went to eat, and um, I'll just share a story with you, and I was like, honey, get whatever you want to eat, get whatever you want off the menu. And unfortunately, my daughter has a sweet tooth. 
And so I was hanging out with an evangelist, and we were talking, and the lady came around, and we all ordered, and I let her order. And I just kind of figured she was going to get some breakfast stuff. Well, they brought all the food to the table, and she had chocolate milk. She had waffles with syrup, with powdered sugar on it. And, and so I counted like three or four different items that was just all sugar. And I went, um, hold on just a second. I said, Eden, um, look at your plate and your food. Look at all around you. What, what's, what's going on there? She's like, well, I got chocolate milk, and I got this, and I got that. I said, do you notice how much sugar you're eating right now? I said, you... You have so much going on in that plate right there. I don't know if we're even going to be able to bring you off cloud nine for the rest of the day because you have so much sugar in front of you. I said, I said I'm going to have to start monitoring what you order because you didn't use balance. You didn't understand that some of some things is good, but too much of a good thing is definitely not good. And you have ordered off the menu all of this sugar stuff and so I tried to teach her the lesson that you need to use moderation everything is good in moderation amen somebody so the scripture talks about moderation but whenever you have too much of one thing and not enough of another that's why God says you need truth in your life Yes, you do, but you also need spirit in your life. You don't just need to be all frontal lobe where God is all reason to you and God is all understanding. There's some things that God does in your life you're never going to fully understand. He'll call you to faith to do things that and to believe God for things that you will not see the result of them for maybe five, ten years later. And you just have to trust God. That's what faith is, believing when you don't see it. Amen? If you believe on something you don't see, you cannot reason your way through it. So sometimes God asks you to do things that don't make much sense. But whenever you're building the building blocks of life, you have to know that you have a one, one God that is, is a powerful and all true and living God. So Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That is their original verse of the Jewish people that they, say, they would say over and over again. Galatians 2 and 3 and 20 said, God is one. There is one God. There is only one God. This doctrine is central to the Bible message, but for both the Old Testament and the New Testament, preach it plainly and emphatically despite the simplicity of this message and the clarity with which the Bible presents it. Many who have believed in it have understood it and its existence of in the existence of God is numerically and ultimately one. We understand it to mean that God is God and there is no God beside him. Amen, somebody. It's so hard to take a biblical truth and then water it down, and then make it strong enough to stand on. When something that is true gets watered down, it no longer becomes a foundational principle. You can't use it, and it won't support your life. Because when you build your children up, mothers, you have to build them so they can carry the burdens of life. You have to build them so that they have a success structure in their life. Someone said amen. In John 4, 24, I already read, kind of read that to you or said something about it. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. How many know what name that is? It's the name of Jesus. It was so interesting. Sarah was telling me the story at ladies' retreat of, of Sister Vonnie Marshall's mother, who was, who was they, they all were obviously priestesses in, the, in, in a different faith, and they, they went to temple every Friday morning. And the Bible, as she began to learn it, she began to talk to her parents, and she won her father to the Lord, to the truth. He began to seek the Lord, and he came and asked for prayer very reluctantly, and God answered his prayer, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and God, and he got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And her mother was suffering with a very difficult knee situation, and she was probably going to have to go have knee replacement surgery. And she actually, Vonnie Marshall, called back and talked to an aunt, and the aunt said, did you know that your mother has gone and actually, <laughs> some of you know this story already because you heard it, possibly, that your mother has gone and offered flowers to a Christian church, went to a church and gave flowers. But what you have to understand in their religion is whenever your God does something for you, you have to do something back as an act of worship. And so she understood that principle of worship, that worship is not just something you do with your hands lifted or with your voice lifted. Worship is something that you do with your life. 
Worship is something do the, that you do every day with the way that you live and that your conversation, as the New Testament says, is the behavior of your life. And so we talk about being raised upright and we talk about God doing great things in her life. But what happened was the, she called her mom and she asked what was going on. And she said, well, you remember I said that you could pray for my knee. That your Jesus God could, could, you said he can heal, I'm okay with you. She gave Vani permission to pray for her knee. And she began to pray, Vani began to pray for her knee. And God healed it and took all the pain away and completely healed her knee. And so she felt like she needed to do something. So she took flowers to any church. She just picked a church out of the newspaper or out of the phone book and just took flowers to give to their Jesus God because she believed that now she knew that Jesus was a healer. I don't know if you've ever been in a position position where you needed God so desperately. I know we live in America and we're happy and comfortable first, you know, first world problem Americans, but I promise you this, there are places and there are things in my life that I can't conquer on my own. But if I know the God that I serve and if I have built my life in a way that I walk upright with him, then I know that he's going to hear me and he's going to answer my prayers. Someone said amen. And I know that being raised upright and I kind of did a play on that word up and right. I've, I, I just feel like whenever I was raised, I was raised believing that God could do anything. And believing in the God who I knew could do all things. The Bible says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, he was God in flesh. Amen. He was God with a body. So what we can say about God and what we must teach our children is first, there is one invisible God with no distinction of persons. Second, Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead in a body incarnate. He is the God, he is God the Father, the Jehovah of the Old Testament. He is manifested in the flesh as the Son of God. Because he created a body through a virgin womb and he was born into the earth to die for our sins. Amen, someone. And then all of God is in Christ Jesus. And we find all we need in him. The only God we will ever see in heaven is Jesus Christ. Because he is God. Manifest. So God is a spirit. Spirits don't have bodies. Then God created himself a body because flesh had to be sacrificed and blood had to be shed for sin. And so he died for our sins. And then he was resurrected. And he has a resurrected body, which we will one day see. But that is the only thing, brothers and sisters, that keeps me going sometimes is the thing that, that, that I know that I'm going to see the God of heaven one day. And his name is Jesus. And I'm excited about seeing him. I don't know if that improves improves every moment of my life, but I do know this. He owns every moment of my life. I don't have to know what tomorrow holds because I know who holds tomorrow. I don't have to know everything about my situation because I serve one that does know all things. And so I'm glad to know that I am upright. I, I have a friend that calls me the prudest friend she has. <laughs> because I walk with God. And I, I don't know what it means to be a, a prude to them, but I want you to know this. I don't walk with God because of someone's opinion. I walk with God because I'm grateful for the salvation he brought to my life. If you don't know Jesus saves, and if you don't know that you needed salvation, and it, it was not possible for you to be saved any other way, then you have to find that relationship with God for yourself because you cannot raise up children. You cannot raise children upright if you don't first try and strive to be upright in your own life and in your own ways and model that for them. So the foundational principles of our life and the building blocks that we give to the children and our children is that we teach them who God is and how he saved us. Amen, somebody. Upright in the English is the English equivalent most often used in the Hebrew called Yasar, which literally pertains to that which is vertically erect. Several places in scripture we find it used to mean straight. In several places we find it used to mean evenly dis, uh, distributed, balanced. 
in several places. We find its application theologically setting uh, in a setting that brings to mind a notion of unchanging standards, correctness, genuineness, and forthrightness. Our God is correct, amen? He is unchanging. He's genuine, and he is forthright. See, in the Old Testament, it was hard in antiquity to find a God who was upright and who was moral and who was not after certain things or wasn't sneaky, amen? So what they did in the Old Testament was they believed that God, Jehovah, had their best in mind, that he wasn't a God that you had to sacrifice things to just to get on his good side or else his wrath would be against you. They believed that God loved them, and so consequently they could enjoy a God whose relationship with them was between them and and there was a nature that reflected truthfulness and a faithfulness of God to his people. Uprightness is a further moral aspect in the people of Israel to God as much as it as it is the people of the church today to God. We need to understand that God is holy in character. Amen. We need to teach our children the basic root of God's character that he's holy, which Coincidentally, Moses summarized in his final praise in Deuteronomy 32 and 4, this praise hymn that he kind of wrote, and I'm going to build it up off of that because I want you to see. He says, he is the rock. Everyone say foundation. He is the, he, his works are perfect. That's when he works in our relationships. And I'll get to that in just a minute. And all his ways are just a faithful God who does no wrong, upright in, upright and just is he to find a straightforward deity like this was uncommon to them so when they found a god who represented a god who was truthful a god who was rock solid a god who was upfront and a god who had integrity the people understood this to mean that if god doesn't waver then if i'm going to live for god and if i'm going to serve god then i have to learn how to be unwavering i have to learn how to be rock solid i need to learn how to be up front and have good integrity. I need to learn the ways of God and model them in my own life. And someone said, amen. So the pleasures that they were to find were to find pleasures in the things that God found pleasure in. Amen. And so loyalty and close, genuine attention to walking straight forward was necessary. Psalms 11 and 7 Of course, for some reason, my link doesn't work, but I'm going to continue on. Tells us about how God is faithful. Psalms 19 and 7 and and Nehemiah 9 and 13, you found places where God was genuine and God is true. In order to have foundational things, you have to know that God's not going to abandon you when you need him. You have to know that God's there for you, no matter whether it's good or it's bad, no matter whether you perform well or you don't, no matter whether you do the right things or the wrong things, you have to know that God is there for you. And when that's difficult for us to understand, we have to understand that Yahweh is ethical and moral and that in which he does is always in our best interests, amen? He will always do what's best for us, even sometimes when it's difficult for us to take. I know that in Genesis it talks about us taking dominion. And I, I will tell you this, that whenever I build, when I'm building our children, my wife and I, I'll just take a personal moment. My wife and I, when we're building our children, sometimes we feel like we're, <laughs> we feel like we're failing because we don't always see the effects of what we're trying to invest in them. My wife will come to me and like, oh, we, we need to have this and we need to have that and they need more of this and they need more of that. And there's always more. There's always more needed. But when we put the foundation in place, the foundation will support the rest of their life. So when we've taught them that here is where the Lord our God is one Lord and we've taught them that you are to praise God with your life and we've taught them that worship is the greatest weapon that you have. Don't ever let your mistakes take away your desire to use the weapons of your warfare no matter how good you are at being a Christian or how good you are at walking with God, don't ever let the enemy destruct you and destroy you over the fact that you cannot do it right. There's grace for us. There's a walk with God that God gives us that has mercy laid over top of it. And he is our covering. And we teach our children, no matter how you feel about your walk with God, never let the enemy destroy your understanding of the weapons of your worship and that you have a God who hears you 
you and a God who answers and a God who is mighty and powerful. And so the weapons of their warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds in their life. And they need to know that. And so there are other things that are foundational to their life. Number one is, I know that God gave us dominion in the garden. Genesis 1 and 28, you go ahead and read it, that God gave them the garden to keep and to subdue it or to take dominion over it. And so therefore, when he gave Adam that task, he gave it to all mankind that we have a desire to take dominion over things. That we don't have a desire to be isolated or out of in a place where we are not uh, taking authority or in control. There are some people that are control freaks. You ever met them? You ever met a control freak? There are people that have to have everything in its place, including uh, the children and all of that stuff. And I don't know if you have someone like that in your life, but it is a big grace builder to have someone like that because they may not get it all perfect themselves, but they want everybody else to be perfect. I'm not talking about that kind of person. I'm talking about a God who is always wanting us to be uh, taking dominion in spiritual realms, in the, in the spirit and in authority and in the name of Jesus that he gave us, which has all authority and power. So we have to understand that if we invest as mothers, if you invest things in the foundation of your children that don't direct them towards spiritual authority, then they will try to take dominion in some other area. They will try to take they will try to take dominion on a basketball court. They'll try to take dominion on a tennis court. They'll try to take dominion in places where it's okay to have a good time and it's okay to be a part of a team or on a court or on a football field. But what I, I will tell you this is that is a very is a very unsatisfying place to take dominion. You can wear 10 Super Bowl rings. You can wear 20 NBA championship rings if you have 20 on your fingers and toes. But if if you have all the success in the world, you can be a Michael Jordan. You can be a Stephen Curry. You can be whoever it is. But I want you to know that that place is a lower dominion status than whenever you take spiritual dominion in your life. Even when you watch some of the greatest players when they get done with their success, they will point toward the heaven and say this is only good if he's good this is only a great thing because he's a great God that brought me to this great moment I want to tell you that when we build our children up mothers you have to build them with an understanding that they are wired and designed for dominion in every area of their life we're not made to be bound to anything or bound by anything we're made to be people of freedom people that walk in liberty in the Holy Ghost people that know what it's like to live for God with everything that's in us and not have something hindering us or hedging us in, but literally be able to walk into a room where there's sickness and say, you don't belong in my children. Jesus died for that and he took stripes for that sickness and I claim in the name of Jesus that sickness leave their body. I claim in the name of Jesus that authority and power be exuded in my life and virtue flow to my children. You have to teach them the power of spiritual authority. Amen, someone. So I walked into my sister-in-law's room and she was under a heavy, heavy uh, fever. We calculated it right at 104. They're about to take her to the hospital. But the Bible says if you are sick, call for the elders of the church and let them pray. We didn't have... The ability is to get the oil at the moment. So I said, God, if you'll just honor this prayer. And I walked over and I laid my hand on her head because I didn't know what else to do, but I knew what to do from the word of God. I was taught spiritual dominion by my mother. And so I walked over and I laid my hand on her head. And I said, in Jesus' name, this fever has to leave. For by his stripes we were healed. And I felt her brow turn cold under my hand. The fever left the second we used the name of Jesus. That's the kind of power we need to teach our kids to have because this world needs people that have hope and have authority. There's all kinds of knowledge that people have nowadays but their hearts are so confused. They don't know where to turn or what to go to and you sit here today with the name of Jesus in your life and we sit here today with the power of God on our life and we know who we serve and we know the authority that we have. We've got to invest it in the next generation. We've got to give them the name above every name. Amen somebody. And so we build them the proper foundation. Then we can put on top of that the proper relationships. We teach them the proper relationships. My mother wasn't taught well 
how to handle relationships. That was proven by the life of four different relationships. And I'm thankful for my lovely bride, amen, who stays with me thick and thin. <laughs> she's, uh, she's with me today, and I, I, I got some stuff for her. I, I went out and got some things, and I was trying to find something special, and, and I won, amen, glory, hallelujah. Got her Arizona Spa gift certificate. And she opened her Zana Spa gift certificate, and it was the full refresh package because that's how I roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she's going to get her petty and manny and whatever else they call those things, and uh, which I am not very familiar with. And she's going to get a nice massage, and she's happy with, uh, she's happy with daddy. Amen. So happy wife, happy life, right? But I realized that if I don't invest in my relationships, they will not give back to my life. There's a very interesting place I want to stop real quick, and that's in, in Luke. But before we do that, I want to give you a revelation in the Word of God, and that's in Jude. No, it's in Luke chapter 6. I Sorry. sorry. Um, and so I have to scroll down here because I'm like way down in my notes, and I'm not even close to where I should be at the moment. But I'm preaching because I feel it. Amen, somebody. You don't have to be a perfect mother, Mom. But mothers who give their children what is perfect, the Word of God, is the best way to frame their lives. Give them Jesus, amen? Because He is perfect. In Luke, is that Luke chapter 6, Nate, that I gave you? All of the, that whole 28 through 38? If you would just pull that up, I know I found it. It's, so I want to talk to you about relationships, and then we'll do race up. And then we'll go eat food, and you'll get all kinds of nice cards, and it'll be a wonderful Mother's Day for you. And um, so the scripture says, bless them that curse you, pray for them that despitefully use you. This is the relationship component that you have to teach your children. You need to be good to people that don't know how to be good to you. Because maybe they weren't raised up right. Maybe they weren't brought up like you were. Maybe they weren't brought up right. Amen. All right. Well, that was awesome. I just used some really cool stuff there. <laughs> and so they might not have been brought up the way you were brought up. But if you show them that, it, that you can bless them even though they curse you, you're actually showing them Jesus through your actions. Unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer the other. And him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take away thy coat. Give to every man that asketh thee. And of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as, just reading through this, and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. In other words, the golden rule. Teach your children how to do unto others what you'd like for them to do unto you. Show kindness and mercy. And it's always interesting how people jump to conclusions, amen? Don't worry about the people that jumped. I was trying to get out of the Atlanta parking structure this week and my credit card wasn't working. And I had a whole backup behind me. And people were, you know upset with me they were saying words and uh they were four letter words and they were they were like really upset at me and i was like i can't i can't do anything it won't read my card it was a business card so i had to back up and get into another line and then back up that whole line in order for them to go to the place where i had put in my my ticket get it out of the machine and bring it back over so they could then process me so i could get out it took me 20 minutes to get out of atlanta's parking structure and all of these people were judging me as if it was something I did. It wasn't even my credit card. It was my company credit card that wouldn't read on their machine. And so people can make judgments all the time without knowing exactly what is going on. But teach your children to have mercy toward people, to get the full story. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't think that somebody is something when they're, they may not even be that. Somebody sitting on a train looks like they're so sad and like their life is horrible, but really they just worked a really long day and they're just tired. Always give people the the benefit of the doubt. Amen, somebody. And so the Bible says that we should do unto others as we should have, we want them to do unto you. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have you? In other words, if you love people that love you, you're just doing a reciprocation. Everybody can do that. If I smile at Jesse, he's going to smile back. But if I start giving him the stink eye all service, like, yeah, I know what you're up to. I'm watching you, buddy. Okay, big boy. I know. I see you. Then pretty soon he's like, what's his problem? 
And he starts getting mad, and he doesn't even know why he's mad. But because he's reciprocating the same. So the Bible says that what good is it? What thanks do you have if you love people that only love you? But for sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? In other words, what good, what thankfulness or what thanks do you have? For sinners also do even the same. It repeats it twice. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies. Now this is a completely foreign concept to them because Jesus is talking to people that believed eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I hit you. That's what the culture was like. That was the way that they understood things. Jesus is turning that all on its head and saying, look, there's a foundational principle that you need to know here and that is you're supposed to love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. Amen, somebody. How many want to be the children of the highest? How many want to be recognized as that? You want to know that people to know that you walk with God and that God is your God and that you are not so good yourself, but he is a good God. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. That is what God is. But ye therefore, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Everyone say merciful. And then here we go. Judge not and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. In other words, the measure that you judge is the same measure you're judged. The level that you condemn people will be the same measure that you're condemned by. The way that you learn to forgive is the way that God will forgive you. I want to be forgiven, don't you? I want to have a large ability, a large capacity to forgive. Our children need to know how to forgive. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Now here's the revelation. Give and it shall be given unto you. A lot of people use this for an offering verse, but it really means so much more than that. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give, shall who? Shall God give? No, shall men give unto your bosom. God uses your relationships to return blessing to your life. He uses the people that you know. He gives you net worth from your network. He gives you the ability to grow your life through the relationships that you have. So the key foundational thing that we have to teach our children is not only the basics of who God is and who we serve, but how to treat people in relationships in our life. How to know that not everybody is going to treat you good, but you should treat them good. Amen? That you're not, your life is not based upon how others treat you. You're based, your life is based and blessed on how you treat others. And the true fact is that we have to understand that no bridges are available to be burned. No relationships are expendable. God uses every relationship. Have you ever had a relationship that you thought was done and God swung around and blessed you through that person or they found you on another job and said, hey, I'm over here working. I thought of you. We've got an opening. Why don't you come in and get, and get an application? Has anyone ever had something strange like that happen through a relationship? I've had it happen. I know that relationships are not expendable. God wants you to treat people good even though they may not treat you good. God wants you to be upright and righteous to people, even if they don't know how to be that themselves. Even if they weren't brought up right, you have to do what's right because you were brought up right. Amen? Somebody. So he says, give, and it shall be given unto you. And it's going to come back to you through men, through your relationships, into your bosom and into your life. For with the same measure that ye meet out or you give out, with all shall it be measured to you again. In verse 45 of this same chapter, Nate, if you'd help me, it talks about what a good man is or what, good, what it is to be a good person. It says, a good man out of the goodness. I'm going to grab verse 45 through 49, Nate, if you'd help me. And then I'm going to add this next block of being built upright. Y'all like my illustration. Is it good? I worked really hard on this illustration. I went all the way over to Walmart to get this illustration. Yeah, there's Legos in here. And I'm, I'm getting at it. If it'll open. See, this is why I don't do Legos. 
So when we build up our life and we're raised upright, just because you're raised upright doesn't mean your life doesn't have the chance to be in pieces. Just because you tried to do everything right and tried to do everything proper doesn't mean that your life doesn't fall apart sometimes. You have to know that there are, there are pictures on these boxes. It says that you can make all of those different things. It shows you, like you can make a train or you can make a car or you can make a helicopter. But whenever I'm looking at the pieces, I see a tire, I see a gear, I see a flat piece. This doesn't look like the picture, amen? So whenever you're living your life for God, sometimes God will hand you one piece to the picture and he'll say, work on that. And then he hands you another piece and he hands you another piece. And the only way that I could put this whole thing together is if I use the manual that comes in the box. And the only way that you can take the pieces of your life that don't look like anything right now to make them into the picture that God wants for your life is if you use the manual that he gave us, amen? If you use the manual, you have to know what the word of God says. And so when we're talking about relationships and being built up right, I... I have a lot of good things that were put in my life and I still see places and areas of my life that I must work on. I must build up myself in my most holy faith. See the scripture in Jude 20 verse 25, it tells me that even if I got, even if it, I wasn't given a good structure, even if, if my life wasn't, wasn't able to be built up and framed up to where it could support success or support the burdens of life, I know that there is something good in my life. Give me Jude 120. It says, but ye beloved, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. What does praying in the Holy Ghost mean? It means praying in that heavenly language that God gives you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's praying in the scripture that talks about praying in the Holy Ghost and praying in your understanding or the language that you know. I'm speaking English right now. That's speaking in my understanding. When the scripture says praying in the Holy Ghost, it talks about using the spiritual gift. Keep... Uh, Go on to the next verse. Keep your, our, yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, praying in the Holy Ghost not only builds you up, but it keeps you. It keeps your life. And so that God can continue to work on the pieces that might be fragmented and put you back together. Now, life has a tendency to shake, and there's events that happen. There's circumstances that shake us all the way back down to our foundations. But I'm so glad that I know that when I get to my foundation, the things that I'm standing on are not in this life and not all the, the blessings of life or the good things of life. You can take anything in this world but leave Jesus in my life because I know for a fact that if I get down to my foundation. I can build my relationships again. And if I stay whole, whole in my foundations and walk upright with, with my God, I can put together my family and I can put together my life and I can live for God. And I know that this manual will give me a vision and a picture of life that is worth living. I know for sure that what I'm striving for and the vision that God has given me for even this church will come to pass because I trust God with the foundation of this church. I don't mess with the doctrine because it's the foundation of the church. I don't mess with baptism in Jesus' name because it's the foundation of the church. I don't mess with the infilling of the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues because it's the foundation of the church. And I need that in my life every single day. And so there's pieces inside. I was watching, now you, you're going to thank me carnal, but I was watching a baseball game against the Giants and somebody else. And God gave me a sermon. He said, it's time for us to be giants of faith. It's time for us. We don't have time anymore to live half-hearted lives for Christ. We have to live with everything that's in us. He said, it's time for mothers to raise up giants of faith. And I want you to know that whenever you're talking about being raised up right, there are three components to helping your children be children of faith and giants of faith. Number one is you have to teach them that whenever you begin to invest your faith in the kingdom of God and the things of God, there will be a space of time where it's invisible. The return is invisible, where it seems like nothing is happening. Nothing is going on. I'm believing God for something, but I'm not seeing it. There's a space of time that they have to, your faith has to endure, which is called the invisible time. When we first started planning the church, it didn't seem like much was happening, but we just kept planning, right? see, we just kept being here, just kept being faithful. We kept doing the work of the Lord, amen? Because God deserves us to worship him, and God deserves to have a place where people can come and worship him. 
And so we just kept doing it, even through the invisible phase of faith to plant a church. And then the second phase that you have to teach your children for their faith to be strong and for them to be faith like giants of the faith is they're going to go through the invisible phase, but when they start seeing God working, when they start to see it changing, it's going to feel insignificant. The first one is invisible. The second place is insignificant. The disciples had all the people around them. They're all hungry. They say, Jesus, what are we going to feed them? Jesus says, well, see who has food. And they found the miracle. It was a boy with two fish and five loaves. But that was so insignificant compared to the crowd. Jesus had shown them the miracle. Jesus was doing something. But it seemed so insignificant. And sometimes we come to church and we worship and we do everything we do to serve the Lord. And it may seem like there's something that's not that significant like we just went to church but this is what Jesus did Jesus's custom was to go to the house of the Lord on a regular basis and when you show up you're modeling mom to your children that Jesus is worthy of us being in his place of worship and lifting him up and honoring him even when we're in the invisible stage of our faith and we're just believing God and God's going to change it I know what it looks like but I don't have faith to believe in what it looks like I have faith to believe in the God who can change what it doesn't look like into what he says it's going to be. I believe in God's promises, not just the circumstances. So I, I, I want you to know that you're going to go from that to the moment where you're like, well, it, it's God working, but it's not enough. It seems insignificant. It doesn't seem like enough. And then you will move into the phase where the enemy will attack your faith. And he will try to intimidate you. Every walk with God is like this. You will first have to believe for the invisible. You will see God begin to move. And it will not be enough in, in your understanding or your estimation. But if you keep believing God, he will become more than enough. And it will become more than enough. But when you get to that moment where you're about to break into your miracle, when God's about to do something really amazing that forever changes the course of your life, the enemy will come and he will attack you with intimidation. And he will say, there's no way, even if you get it, you will not be enough to handle it. You don't know how to sustain it. Even if you get that good job, you're not going to be good enough to keep that good job. Even if you have that family, you won't be a good enough dad or mom. Even if you have, the enemy will come and he will attack you. Then he will try to make it insignificant. But when the attack comes, know this, that you are actually right at the point where you have been raised up in faith. And you just need to stand up and say, no. No, I believe God can do something great in my life. I believe he can do something powerful in my life. I had the privilege of laying to rest a very, I know some of you know that I'm a licensed funeral director and I have three different lives. I apologize for that, but eventually I'll have this one life and I'll get to preach all the time. But when I get there, I was talking with the son of the, the one who passed away and he had lived his life for the Lord all of his life. But he got to the point where he didn't have a lot of money left over. He didn't have a lot of ability to take care of his, himself. And so his son was concerned. And I sat at breakfast yesterday and, and he told me, he said, Brother Calhoun, you know, my dad didn't necessarily do everything right in the end with his finances, but he was always faithful to God. He always had his foundation right. He goes, and did you know that when they got on security care, that there was no nursing home that would take them for the amount that they were willing to give. But because he was faithful all his life to God, for some reason they chose to accept them. And they were able to pay for their living toward the end of their life without debt, even though they didn't have much money. Because God had taken care of them all of their life. And he just believed, well, if God did it before, God can do it again. I have that kind of resilient faith. And I'm telling you that because I want you to know that if you have a need in your life right now that you seem like you've been believing God and maybe you, you have a, a relationship that you're struggling in right now and maybe you have moments where things are just not what you wish they would be and maybe it's been a long time since, since you really felt like God has done something amazing for you, I want you to know that in the sound of my voice here today, I really believe that God wants to show you that he's your friend, that he's close to you, and that he believes in you. Because a relationship with God is the most important thing. Friendship with God was to walk 
in an upright way, guided by his upright word through the sincerity of an upright heart. That's what it means to walk with God. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be honest with God, amen? You just have to tell the Lord, I'm a man, I have struggles, or I'm, I'm a mom, I have struggles, or I would have hung my kids last week, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They say grandchildren are your reward for not killing your kids. That's what they say. I believe that one day we're going to see all the blessings that God put in your life. And God will show you how he's provided for you and how he's made great things available for your kids because you were faithful as a mom. Let's have all the moms stand real quick. Can we do that? Can all the mothers stand real fast? Just all the moms. Look around. Look at the blessing of moms here in this room. Mothers are the blessing of the world. Their hands rock the cradles of great leaders and generations to come. And today, we want to pray for our moms. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me and just maybe reach a hand toward one of your moms? If your mom's near you, would you take her by the hand? And if it's, if it's okay, would, would you gather around your mother if it's family here? And let's pray for them right now. Let's just ask God to touch them and build their faith because they are often giving to exhaustion. They're often busy and, and struggling and doing everything they can to get kids where they need to be and get meals or do whatever they got to do or work a job or, or whatever it may be that they're doing. There's often a lot of exhaustion in a mom. And I want to pray a rejuvenation and a refreshing over our moms today. Would you bow your heads with me? No one looking around. Just pray for a mother that's near you and pray for someone that is close to you and if if your mom's not here today I want you to pray that you would retain all the foundational things that she has put in your life all the things she taught you all the things she gave to you let's pray for our moms right now Jesus Lord you know this relationship is a pivotal relationship you said you put the solitary in families and so God I'm asking you today to encourage our mom and refresh our mothers Lord Jesus that you teach them Lord that you are at work with them, that you are helping to protect and to raise and to guide, and that when they worry about their children or they worry about life, that you are the God who can erase that worry and who can give them trust in you. Jesus, would you could cover anything that's been lost in someone's life here. Lord God, would you restore Jesus in a way that only you can in our mom's hearts today. And would you do your work, Jesus, in them, I pray today. And would you help us to remember them and to honor them and to thank them for all that they are to us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.